1: hello there everybody welcome back to fandom power it's us it's me wes andy and hank and uh we are back it is a season two of our little review series that we like to call the fan batch of course that is the one where we uh review the latest <clears throat> installment of star wars the bad batch we got a brand These, new season the
2: names just write themselves <laughs> they do they do we need um, all the stories to, to start with a and n like and or <laughs> <laughs> makes it so right. easy. Listen to us, Fansoka.
3: If they ever do an Anakin one. Oh, man, Anakin Skywalker. Anakin. Anakin Skywalker. If I ever open a restaurant,
2: I'm going to serve uh, Anakin's of fruit.
1: <laughs> you know, it really. I I mean, inadvertently, we could we could almost tip our hats to the folks over at uh, Fantha Tracks. Um, that is a long time running uh Star Wars fanzine, that's true. Remember when, F- when Fantha Tracks was a printed magazine? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Like almost like a I newsletter.
2: <laughs> oh, you just you unlocked uh Protoculture Addicts.
1: <laughs> I was gonna thing. say that it's exactly what it reminds me of. Yeah. uh, before we get to the task at hand for what we've all come here for tonight, I just want to take care of a few little housekeeping things. So, first off. I want to give the most sincere thank you to everybody who participated in our 100 subscriber giveaway contest. Um, if you didn't uh, watch the live stream where we gave away uh, two action figures, I'm just going to let me just remind you. Not only did we like completely smash our goal of, of 100 subscribers in uh, under 24 hours with the support from you guys, we blew right through 200 by our deadline which was december 31st i think we actually blew through it by december 29th didn't yeah we? we did we technically hit it before mm-hmm. uh, before, before the deadline, deadline. yeah and yeah it's yeah. still going <clears throat> uh it is still, still going, going. I, I don't know what we're at today i believe Two, we're at 16 16 or, 16 or 17 amazing um congratulations going out to uh, colin mclaughlin who was the winner of our imperial clone shock trooper now Colin, he reached out to us almost right away. So you'll be receiving your figure very soon. However, the winner of our general Grievous figure, um, hold on a second, how are we here? Okay. Um, Adam Sheridan. Adam Sheridan, if you are watching this, please head over to our 100 subscriber uh, giveaway video. There is a link in the description here on uh, YouTube that'll take you right over to that video. Please check that out so you can see exactly how to claim your prize. If we don't hear from you by midnight on uh, December 10th. January 10th. Sorry, I've done that twice now. I've done (laughs) that. I'm still thinking it's 2022. We're in the transition
3: period. If
2: if we don't hear hear from you, we're we're coming to your house.
1: (laughs) We're time traveling. Uh,
2: (laughs) No, we don't. We can't do that.
1: Correction. You (laughs) are right. If we don't hear from you uh, by December, Jesus, January 10th at midnight (laughs) Eastern time, I have no choice. We will exclude your name and we will redraw um, so that somebody, somebody will be getting this guy absolutely free
2: of charge. Do not make a grievous mistake Mm
1: -hmm. shipped anywhere worldwide on us as our way of uh, saying thank you. All right. Um, Also, I have one more extra special thanks that I want to put out there. Guys, did you notice we got a new intro? for this one
3: yeah it's pretty slick
1: it's not bad it's Obviously pretty good i'm quite i'm yeah. quite happy with that um mm-hmm. we got our first patron we do special thanks to uh, tin soldier productions for uh, coming on board as our very first patron i cannot express to you how uh, how much that means to us very happy to put your name in there uh with a production credit <laughs> And if you guys like that, if you want to see your name up in our credits with a, with a production credit, you can head over to our Patreon and you can check out exactly how to make that happen. We'd love to have you along and love to get you, uh, add you as part of the, uh, part of the production team here at the show. All right. With all of that out of the way, let's look, let's talk about the bad batch a little bit. We've got, uh, I, I was reticent. I forgot. Not one not two, but three uh, double drops over the course of the next. Uh, sorry, I'm going to just adjust this for a second. Wow. 13 weeks. Yeah, it's going to be a 13-week uh, process where we're going to get through all 16 episodes. Mm-hmm. There are three double drops, including this week. So stick with us tonight as we do episode one, then come back tomorrow night at the same time and catch us uh, live again when we sit down and do episode two, The Ruins of War. Mm. Now, uh, as always, uh, we'll be covering, uh, covering it in true fandom power style, which means all of the plot points, beat for beat, with uh, all the Easter eggs uh, and greater Star Wars lore connections that we discover along the episode. Now, before we get into the episode breakdown... What time time is it? (laughs) It is tradition time. It is time once again, everybody, for another installment of Bad Star Wars Jokes. As always, this week's Bad Star Wars Joke comes from the internet because I swear that is where everything comes from nowadays. Um, This one kind of tickled me. I had a a good laugh at this one. Everybody, when uh, the Emperor orders a hamburger, what does he order as a side dish?
3: I don't know. What does he order as a side dish?
1: He gets a pal poutine.
2: <laughs>
1: Everybody in Canada totally got that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> what does he wash it down with?
2: Oh, my. An addendum. <laughs> a mountain. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, my.
3: You know what else could work there? A do-it-coke a do it coke
1: (laughs) 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 or a do it anything for that matter (laughs) all right everyone that has been another installment of bad star wars jokes (laughs) (laughs) all right let me let me get this thing going here all right everybody um, before we get into the actual breakdown of the episode what did you guys think of uh, episode one uh, spoils of war what did you guys think
3: I felt that it opened strong. Like they didn't waste time trying to bring you up to speed or anything. <clears throat>
2: Just
3: drop you right in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, in, media, yeah. in
2: media. In media res. res. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's um, the first thing that got me. Yeah. Um, love the. I um, love the quantum leap in animation again. Um, uh, for sure. Love the new. Uh, the new paint jobs on the armor. The new addendums to the armor. Love the uh the new character models like the you know everything's tweaked just like we expect from clone wars and stuff yeah 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 um and then you know like it hits all the little i mean if 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 there are classic beats within the first 16 episodes it hits the classic beats we get a little sid we get a little mission we get a little uh you know a little action everywhere it's great that that the sprinklings is- of comedy so
1: that's kind of what I, the first thing that I take away from the episode is like right out the door, we get this like super, super played for comedy moment with the scene on the beach, which we will get to. It is that in media res uh, intro, but the thing that got me was like partway through the episode, I was like, Hey, wait a minute. There was no the the MacGuffin. There wasn't one. The, the, we don't know. We never find out what's in the crate.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back
1: around though, <laughs> I and that part kind of I laughed at the, on one hand, and on the other, I was like, I feel denied.
2: That's <laughs> kind of funny too, because they 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 make it with the crate, whereas you know right. when we know what's in the crate, they almost never right. <laughs> they ever never. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It. So that that brings me. I'm going to bring it up when we when we talk about it, but I I want to talk about those. Um, those crabs when we get to it i kind of get the impression though that the opening was more or less a showcase
3: to show us how far so? omega has come
1: mm. i will give you that one mm. i will definitely give you that one uh i did have some questions in our private chat this week sort of about where we might be time, at time frame um, and which also i did an, find i
3: found
2: some an,
1: answers for
3: that
2: an too, unnamed so. planet
1: uh that looked mm, a lot unnamed, like <laughs> unnamed planet unnamed tropical island like yeah. the whole thing is just like it's comical and it, i think it, smacked it, it of smack to me do you think so a lot like scare i like, guess I'm, so yeah, yeah it I mean, did have that sort of jungly tropical we could add paradise. another yeah, sort of yeah, trope yeah. planet <laughs> and now there's tropical paradise planets yeah
3: yeah yeah, With yeah. monsters attached
1: All right, you guys, you want to get into it? Let's do it. All right. This one, it's uh, episode one. It is called The Spoils of War. It uh, was released on Wednesday, January 4th, 2023. This one is uh, written by Jennifer Corbett. Now, uh, Jennifer Corbett is and has been both the head writer and executive producer for the show since season one. Uh, But just as a reminder, she's also written, uh, what, three episodes for Star Wars Resistance and Jennifer also served as a writer on NCIS uh, during seasons 11 and 12, and as a producer uh, from seasons 13 right through to 16, where she finished off as a co executive producer. Nice. This episode is directed by Stuart Lee. It has an advertised runtime of uh, 24 minutes, uh, but a slightly shorter runtime of 20 minutes and 39 seconds without your opening credits. Or uh, titles now our episode synopsis reads the bad batch plans a risky heist it's pretty short and uh, to the point i'm just gonna switch this up here because i did things a little bit differently andy you kind of triggered me to this well you had mentioned it a while i did it it was a feature nice i've never used it before but i thought it looked really good when you did it we are gonna be we're a part of the show. Yeah. We are literally in the show. Okay. Oh, awesome. well, look at that. And that worked out it's very, very awesome. well. All right. Our episode opens with an aerial shot of a, a picturesque crescent-shaped tropical island. Now, is it just me? Or does this island kind of remind you
3: of the island from uh, Moana? The sleeping...
1: Uh... Well, uh, Tahiti. Yeah. So that's going to come back. Um, I have a Moana reference that I want to talk about. So, I, I mean, it, oddly enough... We did mention sort of privately before the show tonight, uh, a bunch of pop culture references, and they yeah. all kind of were like pointing it at, at Disney.
3: Mm-hmm. So you
1: know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a beautiful day on whatever planet this is with uh, an area cloud in the sky. The uh, azure waters are a sharp contrast to the verdant green jungle that has consumed the island's only feature, a large mountain. And uh, were the island clear of vegetation, it could easily house a large military installation or perhaps even a small town. Cutting to a close-up of the beach, the peace and tranquility are suddenly broken as Echo, Hunter, and Wrecker erupt from the jungle onto the beach at a full run. Echo stumbles, falling face-first in the shallow waters, but Hunter is there to pick him back up again wrecker who is carrying a large crate in both arms yells at his brothers go 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 and the three clones take off as a consortium of giant crab-like creatures bursts out of the jungle hot on their heels by the way folks a gaggle of geese a consortium of crabs nicely (laughs) done. that's legit
2: that's legit
1: Well, it looks like something has gone wrong for the brothers yet again, because as the crab-like creatures give chase, Echo begins to admonish Wrecker, saying, We went over the plan five times. And uh, with the crate in hand, Wrecker retorts, I got the package, didn't I?
2: <laughs>
1: Stealth is not his strong suit. Right, right, right. But, the, uh, but then Hunter cuts them both off as he sternly encourages them, uh, Just keep moving. Interestingly enough, now I've brought this up before. I don't know if I've brought it up on camera or not, but the descriptive audio, which we rely on quite heavily to annotate our shows, so much, is not infallible. No, um, I got three in my episode, three incorrect. Uh, um, I don't know, namings, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Because in the descriptive audio, it actually says that it's uh, uh, it's Hunter that admonishes Wrecker. And it, this isn't the first time that we've had this happen before. And it won't be the last time, but that's where I say, like some of these other outlets that just regurgitate this stuff without putting any kind of critical thought into it. Guys, you need to slow down and watch the episode and look at who's saying what.
3: Point and where. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it. Their helmets are on; you can't see the lips moving, but
1: absolutely, yeah.
3: Body language will direct you.
1: Andy, you had pointed out to me that this uh, chase scene uh, looked an awful lot like something we've seen before—another Disney. In the in the sense that it kind of was reminiscent of uh, what? Cannibal chase
3: Uh, on uh, what is this? Dead
1: man's chest. Chest. Yeah, (laughs) second pirates. (laughs) I did kind of. I like that actually. It's kind of funny. Alright, so we then we cut to the Havoc Marauder, uh, which is perched on a rocky feature jutting out uh, from the beach. Now, the boarding ramp is down in a horizontal position, and sitting on the ramp is Omega. With her legs dangling over the side, she splits her attention between a cable that's been rigged up as a fishing line and a data pad that she's supposed to be studying from. On the pad is a wireframe diagram of an Imperial Alpha 3 Nimbus-class V-Wing starfighter. She lays flat on her back for a minute before putting the data pad down and getting to her hands and knees to look down at the water to check the fishing line. From inside the Marauder, Tech calls out, Does this unscheduled break mean you're fully versed in every ship in the Imperial fleet? Before (laughs) stepping onto the ramp and picking up the data pad to see what his sister was studying. While looking up at her brother, Omega balks at him, Do I have to do this right now? We're on a mission! Handing the datapad back to her, Tech tells her that being on a mission doesn't give her a pass for her studies. With a groan, Omega uh, takes the datapad from Tech and lays back down to study again. But then the ship's comm link chimes and it's Hunter saying that they've got the cargo, but they could use some firepower. As the group runs down the beach with more and more of the giant crabs joining the chase, Tech matter-of-factly questions Hunter... Wrecker woke the pod, didn't he? (laughs) Another uh, tech-ism. Just then, a crab rushes out from the jungle, bent on attacking Echo, but the former ARC Trooper pulls off a diving roll, avoiding its massive claws, which gives Hunter a clear shot at its armored underbelly. The crab rolls from the blast, and Hunter looks back over his shoulder, firing a few more rounds at their pursuers. But the same crab harmlessly absorbs the blast with one of its armored claws. Then, turning his attention back to the radio, Hunter acknowledges Tech, telling him that he did, in fact, wake the pod, and they're not happy about it, adding that they could really use a pickup.
3: Okay, on my second watch here, yep. uh, does this scene kind of remind you of the opening of Raiders?
2: I get start the plane,
3: <laughs> start the plane, oh, and he turns yeah, his fish yeah, yeah, yeah. off. And, and I get that.
2: I get a little Starship Troopers. I, I kind of get, yeah, and I, I kinda, yeah, and and I get the cut stuff from the Rogue uh, One trailer. Oh no, <laughs> yeah, 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 vaguely. I guess so. You know what I mean. I get all those vibes Right. right, from right. the opening scene. Yeah, it's well done.
1: So we, I talked about this uh, privately with you, Andy. Um, what do we think about these crabs?
3: uh New to me, but I was scanning through an Amazon toy thing, and they look super familiar to another Disney property.
1: Oh, we, yes, that's right. Do you think the crabs were just
3: a recycled asset?
1: I don't think, or at
3: are. least a, a,
1: a heavy reuse, maybe that's possible. I don't think. I know what you're talking about. We're talking yeah. about the the Lightyear thing. Yeah, the bugs, the from bugs Lightyear. from Lightyear. Certainly, the the the, the little toy. Yeah, it looks a, remarkably really like these guys. They're they. The the bugs but and light years fly. fly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um more so in story, do we think these crabs are are they do you think they're sentient or are they just like swarm mentality? They do seem to do that.
3: I think they're sentient because like yeah. not only do they surround them and try and yeah. isolate yeah, them yeah. that way. What you'll see coming up next, they know what they're going after.
1: Right, right, right.
3: I as, guess I mean I
1: shouldn't per, say sentient, I should say higher intelligence, though.
2: Yeah, well,
1: yeah. as opposed to animal intelligence.
2: As yeah. per the the canon uh yeah. sort of description of what is sentient and what it isn't, we'd need to see the name. Oh, that's capitalized true. Yeah, or not, capitalized capitalized, or not. yeah. Right, because that's that's actually
1: their convention. The the naming convention, absolutely. Yeah. We never do get a reference to what they are, it just says crab or crab-like creature and yeah. pod.
2: And yes, we get we get more and more though. Like uh we saw in Andor, like you know, goats and <laughs> with you know just longer horns. And That's
1: right. Yeah, we get, we yeah,
3: get yeah,
2: rats and and more and more we're getting normal creatures. Um, That's true. Yeah, but I mean, like you know, when you look at the at Earth, it was so vast and so you know, like nothing's actually normal. <laughs> you know, do you no. know what I mean? You know what I'm getting at? Like there's such a diversity, right? Uh, right. And it's easy just to put a paint app on a creature to make it look exotic.
3: True. Yeah, absolutely. Especially absolutely. when you're monkeying with the size of it too, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah yeah,
2: yeah. 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 Well, let's take a
1: look at uh, Omega's data pad here for a second. And we can see that she was in fact studying the, uh, the V-wing starfighter, the V-wing starfighter, of course, uh, made its first appearance back in uh, revenge of the Sith. Um, kind of a, you know, a, a precursor to the, the, the tie fighter, I guess it has that sort of similar, they definitely use the tie, the twin ion engine noise yeah. and the, the flat wings kind of when we see it, we kind of see it from the back end. So it kind of has that, oh, tie kind of mm-hmm. profile to it. Now, before we get going with the plot here, now that we've actually seen, we've, we've seen everybody, we've seen Hunter, Echo, Wrecker, Tech and Omega. Everyone but Crosshair. So we, okay, so everybody but Crosshair.
3: Everybody currently I on the side. I thought it ride.
1: would be fun if we did a small exercise in let's compare season one to season two assets and take a look at each character a little more in depth, at least visually.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, let's take a look here. Uh, first up, we got uh, Hunter, uh, his season one and season two look. Now, these uh, looks are all pulled directly right from the Disney. The media uh, the posters the character posters so um you guys can check those out on your own if you like now there's a lot going on here remember we talked about this when we saw this early on we're like oh great is this is going to be a bunch of repaints yeah uh not not so no not so hunter probably has the most going on here um he's pretty much ditched everything that might limit his movement mm-hmm. um He's kept that the the forearm sheath for his vibroblade, blade, but the va- the armored van braces—they're gone. They're gone. Mm. They're gone. Um, what else has he got? He's got this fabric wrap going on. Also, ditched the cod piece from his armor as well as the the backs of the thigh pieces.
3: Well, if he's going to be running forward to danger, he doesn't back up much.
1: Yeah, I get a Dinjarin vibe here because look at the shoulders on season two; those are completely different. Armor pieces,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, and they
1: aren't just repaints. There's something else. I could not, I couldn't match them to anything existing. Hmm.
2: And uh you have a, a a shore trooper vibe to them. They
1: definitely the have color. that with that color, that yeah. color palette. So I I felt the same way. Depending yeah. on what our time they, jump is here, if you I, know, who knows? I'm not
2: wrong. Doing they doing. all lost their cod pieces too, so we have a much more yeah
1: yep, you know, yep.
2: <laughs> mobile mobile squad
1: that really is sort of the, the, the crux of it is everybody seems to have pulled pieces off uh, that would restrict movement. Um, and I guess the last thing, the last notable thing here is he's kept the original, like on the left arm, he's kept the original armor piece, but the right arm is another armor piece completely different.
2: Hmm. It sort of makes sense that now that they don't have access to home or yeah. even, The resources, uh you know, it would be nothing to replace elbow pad before, or even a right, right, you know, scuffed helmet, etc. Now, you know, but at uh, the
3: same time, too, right? Like altering the look that far, yep, they're less looking like clone troopers.
2: Oh, absolutely. So if
3: they need to blend in and hide
1: real quick, I still, you know, the the helmets are still the big giveaway, obviously. Yeah, but that whole like that, I'm going to use the Dinjaran analogy again. Season one of the Mandalorian, I mean, he had a shore trooper. Uh, the back of the hand was a shore trooper thing. One of the like he was wearing like other armored components, and I kind of feel mm. that that's what they're doing here.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest thing about Hunter's change is the fact that his former helmet had the tattoo transferred to the outside in the paint. Yeah, app, yeah, yeah. And the new helmet doesn't.
1: Was uh, definitely uh, not. It's a little more uh, uh, more symmetrical in the paint application mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. uh, Next up here is uh, is Echo. Now, Echo, uh, while not as drastic as a Hunter, oh, that's too bad. I I biffed that. Let's. I'm going to move us over here so we can get a better look at this. There we go. Um, Not as uh, drastic as Hunter. Um, He has some similar modifications going on, but what's interesting here is that he's actually cut entire sections of his cuirass, like his chest piece, are actually cut out around his uh, armpits that that show off his uh, new, what reddish orange undergarment, whatever that is.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: He now has no uh, bicep armor on his human arm, no cod piece, but he does retain the full thigh armor Mm -hmm. Um, as well. We've got new belt, uh, new belt, new belt pouches and a new comma skirt. Hmm. So yeah, there's your, uh, your echo. Now, uh Wrecker, <laughs> Wrecker uh by comparison, has actually retained his armored van braces. He's got a new right shoulder pauldron. It looks a little bit more football pad-ish.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um also has a new belt. And uh, like the others, he has ditched the cod and the bicep armor as well as the backs of his thighs.
2: He's the one that stands out to me um the most is because his nine his, uh, 90, 99 90 is so prominent. Yeah. And that's what I, when I started looking at them all in detail, going, well, that's, they've completely removed the 99 from all their gear.
1: They have, yeah. Yeah. Now, tech, tech is probably the least changed whatsoever. Um, Now, tech, um, really, besides ditching the the cod piece, hasn't really done a whole, well, no, that's not true. He ditched the shin armor as well. Hmm. Um, The rest, though, appears to be just a straight up repaint. Um, But he does have a nice new pair of blue pants
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> switch from black
1: to blue yeah 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 and then of course we've got omega now uh, omega who's and this is this is, gets kind of kind of weird i'm gonna talk about this in a second i assume that omega has aged up here um a little bit certainly if not physically uh she's matured mm-hmm. significantly uh compared to the season one She's no longer wearing the uniform of the clone children uh, at Tipoca City. Now she's wearing uh, what I would call a more utilitarian outfit. It almost looks like a pair of jeans and a jean jacket, yep. um, except she's got some pockets and she has a nice little bandolier that holds her comlink as well as uh, her bow on her back. Um, she's got that padded helmet. That's reminiscent of the, uh, the Endor rebel troopers. And uh, as you said, Hank, every trace of clone force 99 has been removed from everybody.
2: Yeah. All right. Yeah.
1: This seems like a, to be good enough, uh, good enough place as any to talk about where we are in the timeline. And uh, there was uh, the, the pre the pre media stuff that came out prior to the launch of the show had uh, uh, executive producer, Jennifer Corbett uh, making some clarifying statements. She says that it's a couple of months after season one, so that puts us either at the end of nineteen BBY or the beginning of eighteen uh, BBY. Hmm. So, so much for my thoughts about uh, Omega aging up. Um, Man, kids, yeah, kids, kids have growth spurts. They do. Kids have growth spurts. I will admit that. Um, She's at that right age for that on.
2: style of growth spurt, though. Too. Yeah. Lately. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Um, knowing where we are in the timeline, I just I, I took a, some time today and I made a couple extra notes to talk about sort of significant events that are happening in the galaxy in this time frame, just to sort of give you a bigger picture of what's going on. 19 BBY, that's the year that uh, Maul forms the Shadow Collective and takes over Mandalore. Mm. We also have the capture, escape, and trial of Ahsoka Tano for the murder of Lita Termond, which results in her departure from the Jedi Order this year. Asajj Ventress hires Crates uh, Claw, a syndicate of bounty hunters led by a young Boba Fett to rescue her lover, Quinlan Voss, from Castle Sereno this year. Supreme Chancellor Palpatine is kidnapped during the Battle of Coruscant, and Ezra Bridger is born. Now, these are all things that happened in 19 BBY.
3: So where we're at now is definitely after that.
1: Are we? I don't know. 100%
3: because the very opening episode of the Bad Batch was Order 66.
1: Oh, that's true. That's so, true.
3: We are then that far past that.
1: Well, 18 BBY Jedi Padawan Caleb Doom changes his name to Kanan Jarrus and begins a new life. So there's that yeah, going right. on. Yeah. The first Empire Day is celebrated exactly one year after the uh, initiation of the Jedi Purge. Bail Organa and Ahsoka Tano organize a rebel network using the code name Fulcrum. The Empire begins terraforming the planet Illum, and so there you go. That leaves lots of room for legacy characters to float in and out, and for and or the Bad Batch to participate in a lot of galactic events. There's a whole thing; uh, it's it's covered in the novels, but there's a whole thing with the the uh, attempted destruction of the chiss ascendancy in 18 bby Mm -hmm. whether or not we see any of that Mm -hmm. i don't know but i thought it would be cool to sort of like just frame sort of where we might be sort of in the bigger sort of what's what's happening in the last 12 to you know 18 months all right Well, thumbing the com link on her bandolier, Omega acknowledges Hunter before she and Tech rush inside to get the uh, Havoc Marauder into the air. Omega dons her new padded helmet um, and clips her energy bow to her bandolier across her back, then rushes back outside to attend to the fishing cable. Seeing the line twitch, she exclaims, Tech, I think we caught something, and I think it's big. Looking back at the boarding ramp, Tech instructs her to release the line, telling her we don't have time for that now. But when he turns his attention back to the flight controls, he's shocked when a pair of the giant crabs leap onto the ship's canopy and begin pummeling it with their claws. Hauling back on the uh, control yoke, Tech pulls the Havoc Marauder a few meters into the air, but then another crab from below jerks on the fishing line, causing the ship to list, and Omega tumbles off the boarding ramp. Seeing her fall, Tech calls Omega as he wrestles against the ship's controls. Fortunately, Omega is able to catch her fall with the fishing cable, but not before falling several meters beneath the ship. Clinging to the cable, she shouts up at Tech that she's okay, and he tells her to hang on. Um, That's the first time we're going to see a near superhuman act of strength and dexterity. By the way, yeah. she's not wearing any gloves and just no. grabbed a... <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had a rope burn from just a rope. They suck. Now do it with a steel cable. Mm-hmm. Fall down a steel cable. Mm. All right. So um, the big crabs, these are a, a new species being introduced here. However, this brings us to the Moana reference that I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. The color palette.
3: Very similar. Uh, the
1: color palette sent me back to also to Moana because I actually thought they look kind of like Tamatoa from, from the film. When he starts uh, glowing in the in the underwater cave. Well, they could be related. Maybe. <laughs> okay, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Is that where we are? Maybe. <laughs> well, we have a first comment coming in from uh, YouTube tonight. It's uh, Ken over at Toy Connections, just stopping in for a quick hello, and a great first two episodes. And I would agree, they are pretty good. They open strong. What am I doing here? There we go. Oh yeah. <laughs> um all right moving on
3: he is from the mythic region so maybe he travels
1: oh yeah so as the uh a long time ago a long time ago in a galaxy far far away maybe this is i don't know earth sometime sometime who in knows the who knows i don't even want to go there yeah mm-hmm.
3: but like mm-hmm. hank was saying looking at this shot here the legs on that crab are very reminiscent of the starship trooper bugs
1: uh yeah oh absolutely Ooh. they are yeah Very much so yeah All right, with uh, two crabs beating on the canopy and a third pulling the ship down with the fishing cable, Tech struggles to maneuver the ship. Still dangling from the cable, Omega exclaims, they're wrecking the ship. And Tech replies that uh, he can't shake them. While taking matters into her own hands, Omega slides down the cable, barehanded, Uh, towards the crab holding the line coincidentally that crab has been joined now by a second one and they both uh, are eagerly anticipating the fresh meal sliding towards them dropping from the line she stands on one of the crabs claws then tumbles over the second bouncing up from a diving roll omega pulls the energy bow off of her back and takes aim with two successive shots she picks the two crabs off the havoc marauders canopy with ease turning her attention back to the two crabs just a few feet away from her she begins to back away as she launches another volley of blasts but the crabs are incredibly fast and when they drop their heads the blasts bounce harmlessly off their shells
2: so i would i would say omega does some pretty impressive stuff in in this scene uh yeah like beyond impressive. I believe forgive me, the scientific term is uh Jedi shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if you guys have seen and I try to stay away from spoilers, but sometimes I'm in the body of a of an article and I'm like, oh no. Oh sure. So I, you know, forgive me if anybody hasn't read these articles, but I I saw some character animations of um uh, what they're calling uh the precursor to Snoke's Praetorian Guard. Okay. They look like crimson. They look all like, you know, the same type of weapon, the same type yeah. of armor, but wearing Mandalorian helmets. Oh, really? So now that's that spark, you know, we had the tanks in the last season at the very end with yep. Snokes, let's face it. <laughs> right.
1: With strand casts right. all over the place. You
2: know, and what that did for us last time was go, wow, this plan has been in play for a really yeah. long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Because we're after we jumped 35 years after at one point. So now, you know, you got to think she's at Nala Se's side. She's, you know, we, we speculated this last year and last season and yeah. and then seeing her do this stuff and hearing those rumors about like possible Snoke connections, possible Praetorian guard as a, as an enemy, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I begin to think is <laughs> there's got to be more to her, you know, like to be that valuable mm, and yeah. look that different from the rest of the clones um did they get
3: paid to add a little bit of jedi juice to the mix
2: well and it, even lauren was saying you know she's wow. in terms of uh and we'll get into the 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 hashtags the child is 50 them. years old when they find him true right yeah Bo- born on the same day as anakin i think
1: <laughs> so i mean how uh, you know what's that theory too what's to yeah, say yeah, that he, there isn't a little a little grogu in the mix true.
2: well or or something like right uh, Maybe some, you know, Obi Wan, or even Lauren. Lauren has a nice, fun fan theory that she she looks a lot like Satine. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, can't really argue that. But so argue, you know. If and especially if all the clones are virtually identical, um, going this divergent, you know, um, like I say, we'll get into that hashtag very shortly. Yeah, yeah. But she's she's awfully blonde and light skinned compared to, you know. 250 million clones
1: other yeah. And, yeah and
2: that would be you know that's more than just a a you know pure genetics that that's that says to me splice that says to me she's more than than they are uh in terms of you know the parts being greater than yeah. the whole yeah yeah, yeah. I think it's very interesting
1: that is interesting I, it, I've already it's already got my brain going and I don't I don't want to go too far off the rails right but. right right but like, I, I'm immediately, I'm immediately drawn to Saifudias slash Count Dooku. What if in Dooku's forethought he added a little a DNA to the mix? Here, take mine and use. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. As a means to like, I know i the end doing of the day, bad stuff. Maybe I can make up for it later. Mm.
2: At the end of the day, there's 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 a there's a a paradigm shift in, in terms of what the what Palpatine Palpatine has the has the cloners doing. And they yep. go from building an army to trying to create viable candidates to house his him him yeah <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. So
1: uh, oddly enough, in that in the uh, in the list of like in the timeline stuff that I was looking at, Snoke's earliest memories go all the way back to nineteen BBY. Hmm. Right. So
3: interesting. I, I think we're going to see more of that come. Uh,
1: oh, I do too. I mean, season at least. We, we agreed right from the get-go that this show was going to recontextualize the sequels the same way that. Uh, Clone Wars did the prequels, yeah, and I have no doubt that we are going to see more of that, and that in fact, all of our Divergent storylines across animation and live action are just going to keep coalescing yeah, she, until we have essentially one, uh, one giant. Can we just yeah. call it this? The the I don't want to say it's the MCU, the, the Star Wars MCU, because Star Wars was a big connected, interconnected universe long before yeah. the 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 Marvel Cinematic Universe, but a more maybe more cohesive one
3: maybe maybe more heavily connected yeah it's not just yeah, yeah. three people in the galaxy oh no,
1: no you're right you're right it's but, not just a bunch of skywalkers and, and solos and that's right but at the right. same
3: time you got to look at who she's living with right like it's not all book and she's getting training from all five. Oh, absolutely
1: yeah from i mean four, yeah, yeah right and i mean i kind of speculated last season that you know she might be she might have every genetic mutation that they have all rolled up into one package plus right? yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
2: These are the, if you guys, oh, that's see a that. great, that's a great shot.
1: Yeah. That's a fantastic oh, uh, looking, uh, um, wow. I like that.
2: Yeah. I'll send the link to that article making Star okay. Wars. Actually.
1: Yeah. Yes. I'm not over. I'd like to see that. All right. Well then. Meanwhile, Hunter, Echo and Wrecker race down the beach, literally running for their lives as the consortium of crabs has grown into the dozens With growing concern in his voice, Wrecker calls out, Tech, where are you? Then suddenly, the Havoc Marauder swoops in over the jungle and lays down a base of fire, knocking back some of the crabs. The three brothers stop running, and Wrecker sets the crate down. Hunter sees Omega dangling off the cable, and he asks, why is Omega hanging off the ship? And uh, in another Techism, he responds cleverly that uh, it's an unscheduled study break. But then he retracts the line and Omega gets up onto the boarding ramp and puts down more covering fire. So Wrecker snatches up the crate and the three brothers start off running again. At the same time, Tex slips the Havoc Marauder sideways, pointing the boarding ramp towards his brothers on the ground, while Omega disconnects the cable from her belt and lowers it to the beach. With more and more giant crabs swarming in from all sides, there's barely enough time for Wrecker to secure the cable to the crate. Then the three brothers scramble on top of it while the swarm begins to rear up and snap at them with their claws perched precariously on the crate. The three clones fire everything they have with which just barely holds off the crabs, but it's enough for Omega to reel in the cable, lifting her brothers to the relative safety of the havoc Marauder. And with the crate and crew now secured, the boarding ramp closes And the Havoc Marauder pulls away, making a sweeping arc over the ocean, leaving the crabs behind as nothing more than a bad memory. Unless they go the alien route and there's something
2: stuck on on this ship. They'll (laughs) find that later. It's a fantastic cold open.
1: Uh, uh, Yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, I thought it was great. Lots of humor, lots of action. It was a good way to get me me right back into it again. Great pacing. Um, And then we jump ahead to the next part where I kind of go, wait a minute what about that thing (laughs) (laughs) all right now safely on board the ship wrecker secures the crate as he exclaims i thought the beach was going to be relaxing hunter takes off his helmet and tells omega that he appreciated the backup but try staying inside the ship next time taking off her helmet uh, omega says i'll try and with a coy smile she adds but it was still pretty fun and I actually, I don't know if you guys picked up on this. Remember how much time they spent in season one where, you know, Hunter was always like, oh my God. Like it was almost like this. They were risk averse, like doing mm-hmm. anything with her.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And by the end of the season, they had come around. Like if you're going to be a full part of the team, there has to be more, uh, a more equal risk taking, I guess, or less yeah. risk averse.
2: We never got the results of that Dejaric game, right? No, we didn't right <laughs> what I think, like, this,
1: this really suggests that he's he's kept to his word he's curbed his his knee jerk to want to wanna protect her and she's now taking a more active role yeah. uh, uh in the mission because it, it tells me been, she
2: won that game oh for yeah. sure it does
1: yeah. if this was season one he'd a he'd have been like he'd have been all over her in a negative way yeah anyway i think it's just great it's great character development just a quick little thing um but i, I liked it all right well back on ord madel the bad batch head back to sid's place stepping off the street uh, they enter uh carrying the crate that they just liberated from that unnamed tropical island and inside the bar they're greeted by the droid az3 who apparently now works as a server Um, (laughs) the droid informs the batch that they're late and sid has been what he calls extremely vocal about their displeasure Speaking to AZ, Echo retorts, well, there's a surprise. Then the batch moved past the hovering droid and AZ floats across the room with his tray of drinks, where we see that regulars Bolo and Ketch are still hanging around playing a game of the jar. Funny to see those two still hanging around. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And AZ um, from a medical droid to a uh, whatever you need to the server convenient enough for the Bad Batch as a whole that now they have uh, continuous medical support if they need yeah, it.
2: that's <laughs> awesome. That's an awesome little... I didn't see Gonky anywhere in this episode. No, we didn't, did we?
3: No, they didn't need power on the island. Oh, well, that's true.
1: Alright, when the Bad Batch enters Sid's office, something is amiss. A mysterious woman, a human woman, is sitting uh, at Sid's desk while Sid stands opposite... But not only is this mystery woman sitting at the desk, she has her feet up on it, suggesting that she's someone of importance. As all the clones file in, Sid turns and exclaims, well, 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 the space slugs finally decided to show up. Now, the subtitles actually say space lugs, but Rhea Perlman's speech pattern suggests to me that she actually says space slugs. Mm. Which
2: boy's makes more soul sense to me. what's that boy's soul <laughs> that's right <laughs> and they're married so maybe <laughs> yeah. they have the same impediment True. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah there's a deep, you there's a deep cut yep <laughs> um,
1: either way though it it it's uh we have techisms and we also have Sid-isms. and this is just another one of her typical affectionate insults you know like dark and broody um which is going to come up again mhm From behind the desk, the mystery woman says, better late than dead, I always say. At that, Hunter asks, and who are you? Indignantly, she says, wouldn't you like to know? Before she launches into a patronizing litany about how these are the rogue clones on the run from the Empire. Stepping out from behind the desk with a drink in her hand, the woman approaches the batch to size them up as she quips, how juicy! Unimpressed, Hunter glares at Sid and remarks flatly, you told her? It's less of a question than a statement, but Sid waves her clawed hand and shakes her head dismissively as she remarks, don't get twitchy. Sid then goes on to identify the woman as Fee and calls her the most trustworthy pirate I know. Echo balks, is that supposed to be comforting? Then Fee starts making her assessment of the clones. Looking over the group, she says, aren't clones supposed to look alike? So much for quality control. Then going down the line, she points out how Wrecker is too big, Omega is too small, and Hunter has a face tattoo, which isn't exactly uh, subtle. And that brings us to the point where uh, the natural, I think, this is probably the natural place to talk about it. Um, mm. Back on uh, what, January 3rd, Collider ran an article where they talked about uh, the hashtag unwhitewash the bad batch. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I have to full disclosure here, folks. I wasn't even aware that this was a thing before, uh, before this week, no. to be honest. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And we maybe talk that's, about it in the chat. Yeah. 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 I mean, I remember some, a little bit of, a little bit of bubbling last season. Well, um, and I hurts. also, yeah, I, I know that they, they after the first sort of episode aired, they, they, they did, you know, some, Uh, new paint apps. If I remember
1: you mentioning that now in season one, I was sure that there was a point where you said that, Hey, did you notice that they went in and darkened everybody? Yeah. And I was like, no, I I don't think I did.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess if, I mean, uh, and this comes right from the creators too, right? Like, uh, the director and, and, uh, some, some, you know, they, they went back in and they, they reskinned all of season one. And I, I mean, I went, I went and watched it and I, yeah, Again, this does uh, you know. Forgive me i I didn't notice. Um, yeah, you and me both. But it's 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 sort of not why I I, I watch it. Um, that
1: being said, I, what, now that right. you're aware of it, yes, you know it's hard not to.
2: Well, see, I I always ask myself this question, and it, it and it does skirt a line. You know, like yep is is it does does anything about the race or the gender of a character take anything away from the story. And so I I feel that this doesn't add to, or take anything away from it, but I feel strongly that, that if it, if it, if it helps people feel included, I'm all about that. And and then I say, you know, I'm going to enjoy it no matter what you do, unless you, I mean, unless you completely offend me, you know? And, um, and and so i i applaud i i applaud this you know and, and at, at the same time um i don't i don't know um how far is too far in terms of um the 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 actor that the animated clones are based on is mm-hmm. a, a maori man and certainly a lot of of uh, tamora's you know, energy and and culture come through, especially in the Boba Fett show, uh, and, where he uh, was encouraged. Own, yeah, he son. was encouraged to, to lean right. into it.
1: I um, mean, that look at the uh, look at his uh, his gaffy stick, or sorry, not his gaffy. Yeah, his gaffy right, stick yeah, is based absolutely. on
2: a on a, a traditional right. They shortened it. And yes. They, yeah. Um, but for people to be going after D. Bradley Baker, like who's been playing the character for a decade now more than a decade i i i don't know where we draw that sort of line and it is is this the Abu thing again
1: maybe uh, is it the apple right. thing right like from simpsons
2: so i and i i don't want anybody to be offended but i don't i don't know that that and yeah and 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 a white native guy is going to say like i don't know if those are the answers Uh, i don't know what the answers are i know that that uncomfortable conversations need to be had and they should be had in public so that many many people can participate but i i don't know if 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 trying to cancel an actor who's 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 bread and butter i mean uh he he plays a german fish on a great cartoon too are we gonna Yeah, yeah, yeah like how far do we take these things you know, and and again, yeah, I'm if I'm sure. wrong, guys, you let me know because I I love to learn things and evolve, and my opinion yeah. is always changing. So, just to bring everybody up to speed, the hashtag
1: has uh, unwhite uh, hashtag unwhitewash the bad batch has actually been around since uh, March 2021. Uh, mm-hmm. It actually got its uh, some early media attention back in May of that year. Um, essentially, there's a segment of the fan community that has some very strong feelings about representation and how, as we've been talking about, the animation models and the voice acting behind the clones of Clone Force 99 specifically are essentially a whitewashed portrayal of an indigenous culture, <coughs> namely the Maori people of New Zealand, of which original clone actor Tamira Morrison is a part of. Um, one of the organizers behind this movement actually has an entire website devoted uh, to what the... What he perceives as the issues with the show. Um, Now I've included a link in the description of the video. And if you want to go and check that out and actually read up on what the issues are, I would encourage you to do that. I would also encourage you guys to have a dialogue, you know, uh, hopefully it's not, you know, too uh, certainly nothing disrespectful, but have a dialogue with, you know, your friends that you're watching this with, and really consider what some of these issues are it's very easy to dismiss uh, and be dismissive of this stuff i mean I, I mean i make jokes about you know the three middle-aged white dude white bearded dudes you know but as you say hank i'd like to think that i'm an ally mm-hmm. and and i want to be a good ally and i don't want to turn away from it i want to embrace it in a way that is productive for everybody involved that being said I don't want my show canceled yeah so I don't know what the answer is but I, I thought it was worth bringing up um, that it that it got brought up again um, it certainly kind of punched me in the face a little bit
3: hmm because back when he was first cast as Django
1: that's right this was
3: not I'm guessing this was not a thought he was not being cast because he was Maori no he was just a badass looking dude for a badass part I think, word, uh, I think the word i think the word for world has evolved
2: right? oh absolutely absolutely, yeah, and I think you know so we we make a bunch of leaps here we we first we we leap from the real world where a maori yeah. man is is an actor, and then we leap into a space fantasy and then we leap into an animated spin off of that space fantasy voiced by a totally different person right and right and and we know and god love everybody but there's several degrees of separation there's no maori people in star wars like that's that's on earth that's it you know so where so (laughs) well this is the thing
1: that's the thing too like uh, yes by on a technicality you're right but at the same time there is because tamura morrison as a maori actor has already set the precedent just by virtue of being who he is, and when when the producers uh, and everybody involved with the Book of Boba Fett say, "Here's a here's a traditional weapon based on your people," and say, right, "By the way, you it, should run
2: with it." Yeah. Right. So, yeah.
1: and really, the, I mean, I don't want to get too much more into it, but like, yeah. it's not necessarily all the clones that are misrepresented. Although the the D. Bradley Baker thing is kind of a glaring, it's kind of an open wound for those people who are really hurt by that. Sure. It's that Clone Force 99, who are these genetically altered clones, are a lot or sorry, they were back in season one considerably lighter in tone and mm-hmm. and anglicized um, right. from their regular clone or regs as the as the batchers call them, the regs, mm-hmm. their reg cousins.
2: Yeah. And I would say, you know, if 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 there's a standout among them, it's it's obviously Omega. Yeah. and for um, sure it is right and and which you know it takes me back down that road that we talked about earlier which is you know uh spliced with 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 something else for sure yeah Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: all right well like i said guys um the information is there if you if you want to go and look at it i leave that for your personal choice uh for your own taste to decide what you want to do with that but uh felt that it was worth bringing up Mm -hmm. all right well, for some reason, um, where are we at here? Uh, oh, yeah. How about you? Oh, did I get Did yeah, I? Right that? There. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, for some, for reason. some reason, Tech's slight features and his brown eyes catch Fee's attention, and she remarks, hey, now, got a name, brown eyes? Adjusting his glasses, Tech gives her his name, but he asserts that all clones have brown eyes, and his genetic mutation had no effect on his eye color. And with this latest Techism, The attraction from fee is gone as she suddenly remembers that she has places to be dropping her cup into Sid's hands. She walks past the batch and taps Wrecker on the back, telling him let's see those muscles in action. She then instructs him to pick up the crate that they just brought in and to follow her. As Wrecker picks up the crate fee tells Sid that the Intel that she just gave her isn't free. And she expects a cut of it when her top team comes through. Then both Fee and Wrecker leave the room. Um, I you know I good good for Fee that she brought this info in. Um, but Fee, uh, the actor portraying Fee, is too big to be a, a forty second cameo, never to be seen <laughs> again. Yeah, instantly recognizable. Right, right. Anyway, it sounds like Fee has just set up their next mission,
3: or at least another mission coming down the pipe.
1: Uh, for sure. Well, Fijanoa, that is uh, veteran uh, comedian Wanda Sykes. No stranger to voice acting, uh, Wanda has nearly 100 uh, acting credits with appearances in projects like The Drew Carey Show, uh, Ice Age, Continental Drift, and more recently, and I actually watched this one, I thought it was quite good, uh, the Netflix original sitcom The Upshaws. When talking about Wanda, uh, supervising director Brad Rao had this to say, Wanda is incredible and she brings so much to this swashbuckling character with so much bravado, a scoundrel that has a little bit more flair. If Sid is giving guff to these guys, who's going to give guff to Sid? It's Fee Uh nice. Intentionally, when we filmed her introduction, you get to meet her by her boots up on Sid's desk. And that tells you a lot about this character. Yeah, that, that, that's the first thing that strikes me is like, who is this to have her feet up on Sid's desk?
3: Well, if he's saying that she's swashbuckling and introducing bravado, you didn't enough, get
1: that here. So we
3: know more is coming.
1: I, I firmly believe that we this is not, this is just the first this scratch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, as the group turns to face Sid, Hunter asks, what was that about? And Sid tells them it's about their next mission. She tells them they're headed to the outer rim. They gather around a hollow table in Sid's office, and when the Trandocean activates it, an image of a high domed castle appear. Now the image is barely coalesced before Tech blurts out that is Castle Sereno, the former home of Count Dooku. Omega asks, Who's that? And Echo tells her that uh, he was a Jedi that betrayed the Republic and led the separatists in a war. And now that the war is over, Sid tells the Batch that his entire war chest is up for grabs. She goes on to say that the Empire has already begun to pillage the palace. There is still time to strike before it's all gone. Hunter calls the mission too much of a risk, and he basically says, if you want it, you go after it. Turning away from her, he walks out of the office, and she furrows her brow as she watches him leave. Now, Castle Sereño, this is the former home of uh, Count Dooku first appearing in the season 3 episode of Clone Wars called Night Sisters. In that episode, Darth Sidious orders Count Dooku to kill his apprentice, Asajj Ventress. But Ventress survives the assassination attempt and she goes on to enlist the aid of Mother Talzin and we get the introduction of the Night Sisters into the current Star Wars canon. Out front, Hunter and Omega are at the bar. Omega is back to studying the ships of the Imperial fleet on her datapad. While she runs a finger over the display, Hunter asks her if the shuttle that she's looking at is Lambda or Delta class. And uh, without hesitation, she answers Lambda class. And Hunter praises her. Very good. We get some language here. and We get the Orabesh here. Now, her finger does obscure some of it, so... There's a little bit of a fill in the blank here, but what I believe it says is Lambda class shuttle, a multipurpose transport. The Lambda class shuttle is equipped with a hyperdrive armed with one rear double laser cannon, two front wing mounted double laser cannons or something similar to that.
2: Mm.
1: Makes sense. If you had to extrapolate it, that's what I would do. Yeah. Meanwhile, just a few feet away at one of the gaming tables, uh, Sid and the rest of the batch are talking quietly among themselves. We overhear Wrecker say, I'm in too. And Sid says, good, then we're all in agreement. Now all we got to do is convince Doc and Broody. But Hunter also overheard the conversation and he approaches the, ga- uh, the gaming table and asks, convince about what? And sheepishly, Wrecker says that uh, they all took a vote. And they want to go after Dooku's war chest. Sid calls it a unanimous decision, remarking that even Killjoy over here went for it as she points at Echo. And with that, Echo's eyes go wide like a kid who just got caught with his hand in a cookie jar. Hunter addresses them sternly, reminding them that Sereno is an imperial occupied world. And since the destruction of Topoka City back on Camino, they've managed to stay off the Empire's radar. So why chance it now? Well, Sid, ever the pragmatic profiteer, exclaims that the contents of a single container from the war chest would be worth more than every job they've ever done for her combined, she points at Hunter and she tells him, you can buy your freedom. But Hunter retorts, we're already free. Unfazed by the answer, Sid tells Hunter that while he may not be paying attention to what's going on in the galaxy, she is and it's only a matter of time before the Empire shows up on Ord Mantel and shuts her down. And when that happens, there won't be any more jobs for anyone. Tech interjects with, she does have a valid point. Continuing, Sid asserts, you want to really be free? Then pull off this heist and you'll have the means to disappear. Waving her hand at the rest of the clones, she says, no more risky missions, no more living hand to mouth. You can have a future. Isn't that what you're after? Hunter glances over at Mega, who's blissfully unaware of the conversation taking place just a few feet away. She's still studying her data pad intently. And then we get a, a wipe transition, and the Havoc Marauder streaks through hyperspace. Onboard the ship, Tech mans the flight controls while Wrecker lounges uh, in the co-pilot seat next to him. Back in the rear compartment, uh, Hunter sits at a console studying a star chart. Entering the compartment, Echo says to him, I know why you agreed to this mission, but we can do better things with Dooku's fortune than hide, Hunter. Without any acknowledgement, Hunter just stares ahead at the star chart. Then, stepping to Hunter's side, Echo uh, goes on asserting, With what we're up against, we have to be prepared to fight, and that means numbers and weapons. Hunter turns to face his brother and somberly replies, that's not the kind of life the kid deserves. Staring down at him, Echo presses him. Our lives are like this because of Omega. In a flash, Hunter gets up from his seat and takes Echo by the arm and moves him away from the console. The console that's only a few steps away from the rear gunnery station. The same gunnery station that serves as Omega's room while they're on a mission. Lifting his tone, Echo says that taking, off, uh, taking Omega off Kamina was the right thing to do, but there are others out there that need their help. Then his voice darkens again as he reminds Hunter that they've seen what the Empire is doing throughout the galaxy and concludes with, we should be doing more. Echo goes back to the forward compartment and Hunter sits back down again. Neither man, aware that Omega, who is peeking out from behind the curtain to her room, just overheard the entire conversation downtrodden. She closes the drape and hugs her Tuca doll Lula. Um, there's rumblings about, uh, potentially a clone uprising, uh, this season, mm-hmm. Makes sense. you know, when echo says, you know, there are others that need our help. Do we think that there's, you know, some, you know, reference to, or some sort of like, Hey, we should be helping our brothers.
2: Properly. Well, I mean that I kind of got to be more on his mind than any of theirs. Absolutely, given his uh, history, Because file
3: you know. rights—like he, he was taken prisoner and used as he was—and it's no different for them because they're still stuck in Order Sixty Six.
1: I think about how okay. you know how difficult it was for him going after Avi Singh. Yeah, you know, and and he was able to get through that. So, like, you know, is he is he talking the other people broad strokes? Like, we could be helping other. Galactic citizens, you know, is it or is it more of a you know? Kind
3: of says you know we need numbers, which means freeing more
1: clones. Well, I kind of feel like that's where we're headed. Like we're going to get more into it in, in episode two, and I, and I don't want to take anything away from you, but like that there's the sequence there where you kind of go, oh, that's interesting. Mm. All right, well, uh, let's talk about Lula for a second. I, I I had to go back and go, did we talk about this in season one? I don't think we did.
3: Uh, not about Lula, no, but about the other one that she had at one point.
1: Okay, so Lula um, is the doll that Wrecker gives her to make her feel like she's part of the part of the crew, right? Yeah. Now, the Descriptive Audio specifically calls this a Tuca doll. Now, uh, Tuca dolls first appeared in the Season 1 episode of The Clone Wars, Innocence of Ryloth. And we see one, uh, Numa. Numa has a, a Tuca doll. Uh, Numa, who comes back in, uh, my God, uh, uh, Rebels? Numa comes mm-hmm. back in Rebels, right, Hank?
2: Yeah, I man. think so, yeah. Well,
1: um, Innocence of Ryloth, it is the 20th episode of Season 1 where uh, Watt Tambor of uh, the Techno Union and his Separatist forces have occupied Ryloth and they are using the Twi'lek people as living shields. Now, Tuca dolls are are stuffed toys commonly used as comfort items by children throughout the galaxy. But they are based on the Tuca cat. The Tuca cat, which is commonly found throughout the galaxy, especially in the bowels of Coruscant. But more interestingly, the Loth cat. The Loth cat that we were introduced to in Star Wars Rebels is a subspecies of Tuca. So in fact, these dolls are cat dolls little kitty dolls but wait it there's gets more. yeah there's more mm-hmm. <laughs> the name tuca cat is a direct lift this comes from uh, creator dave filoni his deceased cat was named tuke hmm. so the name is a lift from that however we can go back even further and we can trace the origins of felines in Star Wars all the way back to the West End games role playing game, where the original inspiration for the Tuca comes from the supplement Other Space, where the player characters encounter a cat like species that's identified as a Doris feline. Adorable cat. And uh, this actually was confirmed by the encyclopedia that ran on StarWars.com between 2011. In 2014 so um yeah they confirm that yeah that is the inspiration for uh Tuka cats as they appear now nice so that's kind of a neat little that's probably the deepest connection we got this week to be honest mm-hmm. with another wipe transition uh, we see the havoc marauder now out of hyperspace and is on approach to the planet uh, sereno the ship sets down a, in a dense forest surrounded by mountains and the bad batch debark in single file When Wrecker asks where the city is, Tech tells him that it's on the other side of the nearby mountain range, and the group begins to head out. That is, except for Omega, who is last to exit the ship, and she pauses at the top of the ramp. As the three brothers step off, Hunter lingers back, and he asks her if she's coming. With her energy bow in hand, Omega steps off the ramp, and both she and Hunter then fall in with the rest of them. There's an obvious hesitation um, when she gets like steps up to the door they all kind of jump off and she's like uh like i don't know if i should be here <laughs> she's clearly struggling with the events of the conversation that he just had with echo yeah a a short time later the bad batch descend a rocky trail on the edge of a mountain uh that overlooks what's left of the city now the streets are empty as the city has been devastated by an orbitable an orbitable Blah, 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 has been devastated by an orbital bombardment and virtually none of the buildings have survived. Actually, see, there's a couple like big crater looking things running through there. I don't know if those are supposed to be streets or is that like a wat, like water that has been like evaporated? Maybe some of A, some of B. I don't know. Could be mm-hmm. further down the trail. The batch pull up again when they can get a uh, when they finally get a clear view of uh, Castle Sereno. Down in the courtyard sit three giant Imperial bulk freighters, each one loaded with 210 cargo containers. Yes, I did the math on this one. (laughs) Um, So between the three ships, that's 630 containers in total.
3: And if one of those containers contains enough to outweigh every mission they've done so far. Well, this is just it. This part kind of bugs me. Only because, based on that number, yeah. Why are there no star destroyers hovering around the planet? Like you're going to well, move that's this a, much stuff? Interesting. And all you got is a couple V wings. That is an interesting, yeah. As far as escorts go, with each, I mean, go ahead. Henry. This
2: early, this early in the game, they're un, they're unopposed. Months, True. months into it, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're unopposed. Um It's, it's, yeah. I would say that. That's probably the reason they, they, they don't perceive any threat. I mean, and this is right in line with Andor they're too fat. And oh yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Walk right in like you own the only place. Would, right. Exactly.
1: I, I can get that with each container, roughly the size of a modern sea can, the wealth contained in these three ships is what I would call astronomical.
2: So our, our good friend of the show, Doug, uh, Illingworth pointed yep. out in a private chat to me, uh, this morning, uh, in the first episode of Tales of the Jedi, we see yep. Dooku, you know, pull out a lightsaber on a guy, basically embezzling funds. And now we see that oh, <laughs> later oh, right. on after yeah, Dooku's yeah, death, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's clearly been embezzling. Well, <laughs> and that comes up, that comes up in episode two.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's going to come up later on.
2: Yeah, so It's a very, very keen, uh, astute uh, notice there from Doug. Yeah.
1: In. Yeah. 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 Well, Tech raises a pair of binoculars to survey the courtyard, while at the same time, uh, one of the freighters begins to lift off. And even without the binoculars, it's blatantly obvious that the Empire has begun collecting the war chest, and the window of opportunity is closing. Tech hands the binoculars to Echo, who, for the second time this episode, is errantly referred to as Hunter by Descriptive Audio Guy, uh, reports that there are over 40 troopers in the courtyard wrecker knocks his fists together and boldly says that's nothing but omega reminds him that stealth is the order of the day then we hear the whining of engines only this is different from the freighter the noise catches hunter's attention first and he spots two v-wing starfighters lift off and take up positions uh, escort positions around the freighter tech calls the escort a standard procedure for high level cargo Then Hunter instructs the group to get to the nearest container and grab whatever they can while he'll act as their eyes on the ground. He says if things go sideways, he'll divert their forces and hopefully buy them some more time. The group then splits up and they all start to move toward the courtyard. While reaching the edge of the courtyard, Echo radios Hunter to tell him that they're in position and also that the second transport is now lifting off. At the same time, we see Imperial troops working to load more of the valuable cargo onto the third freighter. Hunter pulls up at the edge of the forest near the parked V-Wings and radios in that there are roving patrols and to stay alert. As a soldier walks past his position, Hunter darts out onto the courtyard and tucks himself in front of the wing of one of the parked fighters. Then, crouching low, he places an explosive charge on the ship's hull and arms it. Meanwhile, the others, still holding in the wood line, wait for the Imperials loading the ship to move off and collect another load of loot. When the last trooper leaves with the hover cart, the group rushes across the courtyard, hopping into one of the open shipping containers. Standing inside the container doorway, Wrecker notices a trooper on patrol approaching. So, tucking himself against the doorway, he waits silently until the trooper is squarely in front of the doorway, before letting loose with a stun blast from his rifle. Caught completely unaware, the trooper slumps against the open doorway, and before he can fall to the ground, Wrecker drags his limp body inside the container out of sight.
2: The so, yeah, go ahead. I noticed something here, uh, like, uh, and we, uh, we've we seen the Empire on a few different worlds, both separatist, both uh, former Republic planets, and how they you know, treat them differently like their tactics are different. they, they seem to have yeah, this more yeah. brutal sort of iron fist on the uh on the separatist worlds and they're oh, they're almost trying to trick the republic worlds into believing they're benevolent yeah but this yeah. is the first time we've seen like it's still a clone army and do we think that that's the because sereno is such a high level separatist uh, world
1: that's not that's not true um when they when they uh the episode with Avi Singh it was still all clones.
2: Well, again, oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I, but yeah, yeah. A, a separatist world. So I'm, you know, are they, <laughs> you know, splitting their forces? I guess we're still early I don't, on. I don't in that. not think so. I,
1: I, yeah, that's kind of where I was going to go with it. I, I do believe that we're early enough on where, you know, we haven't really started to, to, to update the infrastructure. You know, uh, um, sorry, um, right. cr- crosshairs. Uh, his his conscript squad. Remember, they're they're new. They're they are that's like true. brand, brand spanking new. And yeah, I don't yeah. think that that's filtered down yet.
2: No, I see. Yeah,
3: oh. that makes no, sense. And the numbers they would need to oh, replace no. all the clones. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Um, they're going to field the clones probably for several months before they can actually get a, a, a conscript force large enough to outright replace them. Yeah. And and honestly, t- going back to that, are we going to see a clone revolt? Well, and that's see, that, probably would, that would
2: be right into it. Yeah, that would be the catalyst to go wholesale into the Stormtrooper program. If, yeah. if suddenly... Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. All the clones go rogue on
1: you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, With the unconscious trooper now safely stashed away, Wrecker turns to face the others who are all now staring at him. Throwing his hands up, he says, What? I did it quietly! Mm-hmm. Um, oddly enough, that guy did not drop his rifle.
2: <laughs> no, he didn't. He's holding
1: it one-handed by the pistol grip, didn't drop it.
2: Good soldiers follow orders. (laughs) That's
1: right. Wrecker tells uh, the others that he'll stand guard while they start loading up. Omega looks up, amazed by the stacks of smaller containers and exclaims, so this is what a war chest looks like. And Tech corrects her that it's only a fraction of the war chest, but it's all they'll need. Adding that the priority uh, are items of high value. And when she asks, like, what? Echo tells her that, well, anything shiny or heavy is a good start.
3: Because you got to remember, she's still a kid. She hasn't seen that type stuff.
1: That's right. Yeah. Outside in the courtyard, a squad of troopers receive orders from their captain. He tells them to retrieve the remaining containers from the palace and to stay on schedule. Now, the credits identify this, uh, this clone as uh, Clone Captain Wilco. And uh, we, uh, to the best of my knowledge, I could not find another reference. So we are we are meeting Wilco for the first time.
2: Isn't that an old military? Well, I remember that from kid, Roger Wilco.
1: Not not oh, to now. get too far. Not to get too far because I know I don't want to take anything away from uh, episode two, which Andy, you're going to take us through tomorrow night. But I just want to point out that Wilco is a is a military radio procedure term for will comply. Right. Mm. Wilco will comply. Which
3: is accurate for them because they are forced
1: to comply at this point. So there's the metaphor. I can't. The the metaphor is screaming in your face, Mm. especially in light of, you know, when he says, I can't do that. Yeah. Uh, Actually, quite. I love this one Uh, of of, not all of them, but there's a lot of metaphors. And we, we sometimes we catch them. Sometimes we don't. But of the ones that we have caught. This one stands out to me as very, very, very clever. Well, meanwhile, Hunter has uh, crept underneath the last uh, remaining escort fighter parked outside the palace, and he secures another explosive device uh, to the same, in the same way that he did to the first. One of the nearby troopers uh, tells a squadmate that uh, the final launch is going to be in 10 minutes. When Hunter makes a diving roll behind the fighter's opposite wing, one of the troopers hears the noise and then both approach the ship to investigate it. But when the lead trooper ducks down to look underneath, he finds nothing because Hunter has already made it back to the edge of the courtyard and taken cover behind the low wall, separating it from the wood line. He's fast.
3: And it is kind of an action trope at this point though. Yeah. Like, uh, similar style to Xander cage in triple x the first one when he goes in to infiltrate and he puts all those band-aid bombs on all the bikes okay yeah just getting his diversion ready for later
1: inside the container omega tech and echo begin opening crates tech who is incorrectly identified as echo by descriptive audio guy echo what's that third third one now third so far oh, yeah, yeah so tech analyzes a crate full of golden ingots now i i zoomed in on these i was looking for any like government markings i could not i could not make anything out granted my computer monitors are not that great
2: so yeah.
1: um, maybe there was something there that i missed
2: maybe not republic um, credits are no good here
1: <laughs> so for the time being i am just calling them golden ingots because that's what they look like chinese uh absolutely absolutely Uh, Yes. uh, Now, (laughs) when Omega opens a nearby crate, her eyes go wide at the sight of what's inside, and she calls Echo to come and look at it. Echo and Tech both come over, and when the camera looks over Omega's shoulder, we can see that the crate is full of loose golden ingots and clear, multifaceted gemstones. Echo remarks, I'd say that qualifies as high value. Omega holds up one of the gems and she questions, how could all of this belong to one person? Tech presumes that the majority of Count Dooku's fortune was amassed by pillaging the worlds that he controlled while the, while the, while as a leader of the Confederacy of independent systems,
0: mm-hmm.
1: all in the name of his war effort. While echo adds, that's what corrupt people do. But then Omega asks, well, isn't that what we're doing? And Echo tells her it depends on how they use it. You know, that whole thing about um, him mm. extorting people. Yeah. Um, and then connecting that back to the uh, scorched earth with the city, it it actually makes sense. Like you said, trying to portray the Republic like we are the the virtuous saviors of the galaxy. Right. They of course they have to make a statement to the to the to the citizenry um, and treat it like they're the enemy. Mm-hmm. That'll come up in my episode too. Yeah. 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 Well, back in the courtyard, one of the troopers informs Captain Wilco that uh, CT-8801 has not reported in. So Wilco uh, tries radioing the trooper himself. But inside the container, Echo hears the trooper's uh, radio, the unconscious trooper's radio, go off. And he calls Hunter to tell him that they're about to have company. Captain Wilco orders another soldier to find the missing man. While at the same time, Hunter asks Echo if he and the others are clear. Echo tells them they aren't, and they could really use that diversion right about now. Hunkered down behind a large tree, Hunter pulls out a detonator and pressing the thumb stud, the two V-Wings explode. The two troopers that were standing guard are knocked flat, but otherwise are okay, and one of them calls the uh, calls in the explosion and requests damage control. With everyone now on high alert, Captain Wilco orders a squad to follow him, and they start running to the landing pad. On the way, he radios the transport team and orders them to fall back and hold in place. Hunter tells the crew that he's headed their way and to be ready, so Echo encourages them to pick up the pace. Pointing at the crate of golden ingots, he tells Wrecker, grab that one first. With all the troops either focused on the explosion or holding in place for further orders, the crew has a window of opportunity, and Wrecker is able to move the crate out of the container undetected, and he carries it off into the woods. Arriving at the marshaling area for uh, the marshalling area for the fighters, Captain Wilco takes a report on the explosion from one of his troops, who tells him that the damage was contained, but two of the escort ships are destroyed. When Wilco asks what caused the blast, the trooper tells him that they don't know. Prior to the explosion, all systems were normal. Glancing over at the remaining bulk freighter, Wilco orders the ship to secure its cargo and prepare to launch. He then orders all squads to the courtyard to hold the perimeter from the cockpit of the freighter. One of the pilots keys a few buttons and the doors on the shipping containers all begin to slide shut. Omega having just filled her backpack with loot from the crate looks surprised as the doors close echo and tech then pull out flashlights while tech exclaims that is concerning. Okay. It's a flash and you miss it moment. Um, when we when we get onto this, you just see her closing the flap of her backpack. Mm-hmm. She's that thing is full. Yeah, there's no way. There's, you can't convince me otherwise that her backpack she, is full.
2: She, she's about to save the day again. <laughs> so
1: it doesn't come up by the end of this episode. I don't no. think it, it doesn't come up in episode no. two. But no. something tells me that at the right moment, when they when they need it the most, she's gonna dump that backpack out. And oh yeah. you did it.
2: All the Mantel mix you can eat.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's gonna buy a moochie. (laughs) Maybe.
3: Can I? Can I point out one thing that kind of bugged me? But I get why they didn't do it. They missed an opportunity here. With what? With the downed clone trooper and his radio. Okay. Uh, we could have had a perfect Han Solo moment. Oh my god, I thought so. The same thing. Pick it up and say, "Uh, no, we're fine. All here. Click." click, Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, they all have. They all have the same voice.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, Echo probably couldn't pull it off
1: echoes echo- yeah exactly he's not uh he's not genetically he's not mutated like they are yeah, yeah. that i but agree with you to on
3: move that. things forward i get why they didn't no to- it's that. totally true
1: all right where was i here uh echo uh, tries his scomp uh, on the door oh yeah so echo does he tries his scomp link on the door but the door is sealed tight and he cannot get it to open because he's not a droid well I- What's interesting though, is it never dawned on me um the, the whole echo scomp thing. Uh, how cool is it? it? It adds more context when we see Din Djarin snap the arm off that Republic yeah. security droid and do the same thing.
3: Yeah. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, so anybody can do that. It's essentially it's just, a fancy lock pick. Yeah. yeah. Back in the woodline, line, Wrecker sets the creative gold and gets down beside a tree. Just as Hunter arrives asking where the others are Wrecker tells him they're still inside the container. Then the freighter slowly lumbers to life, and Hunter worriedly calls Tech, telling them that the ship is about to take off and get out of there. With urgency in her voice, Omega tells Hunter that they're trapped inside the container and they can't get out. Hunter tells her that he and Wrecker are on their way. At the same time, Wrecker notices that a squad of troopers has stacked up at the edge of the courtyard and says, Uh, boss, I think they know something's up. But Hunter dashes past Wrecker, exclaiming, we're done hiding anyway. And the two brothers make a daring charge at the courtyard with blasters blazing, stunning several troopers. At the marshalling area where the fighters are still smoldering, Captain Wilco spots the hasty assault and he declares a perimeter breach and orders the bulk freighter to launch immediately. Hunter and Wrecker reach the freighter just as it begins to lift off. But more troopers close in, and the two brothers are forced to jump onto an exterior ladder on one of the containers. The brothers manage to keep up a healthy rate of fire, stunning a few more troopers as the ship lifts higher into the air. But as fast as they can drop them, more troops funnel in. Now, one of the troopers manages to hit Hunter's right hand. And that's important, because that's his non-dominant hand, his non-shooting hand. One of the troopers manages to hit Hunter's right hand and losing his grip. He falls a few feet before snatching the last rung of the ladder with his left hand, with his pistol still in hand, I might add. (laughs) And the second feat of superhuman agility and strength we just witnessed. Seriously, nothing short of superhuman here. I know they're genetically enhanced and that's pretty cool, but like, wow. Wow. Dude just fell like a full six feet. Cause Wrecker's not, not exactly short. Right. Uh, one handed it with a gun in his hand and the ladder rung. Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: Rambo could do it. So, so okay. can Hunter.
1: <laughs> Didn't we already go through that all of season one? Isn't that hunt? Isn't, isn't Hunter just Rambo?
3: Well, yeah, he's got the red well, star. For of, course
1: now, of course he is. All right. Dangling precariously from the ladder. Hunter looks down, noticing they are now several meters off the ground. A point that is not lost on Wrecker as he groans at the sight, which reminds us of his fear of heights, which he punctuates with, I'm starting to regret this.
0: <laughs>
1: as the ship continues to rise, Hunter holsters his pistol and he puts both hands back on the ladder. Looking down, he sees the dome roof of Castle Sereno and tells Wrecker that they have to go. When Wrecker asks, go where, Hunter yells, jump. Landing on the curved roof, they slide down. Hunter jams his vibroblade into the dome, slowing his fall and both he and Wrecker come to rest on an outcropping at the base of the roof. Except Wrecker having no way to slow his fall hits the outcropping much harder than Hunter and he bounces head over heel over the edge. Now luckily, he's able to catch himself and then he and uh, Hunter and Wrecker both pull together to pull him to safety. Sheathing his vibroblade, Hunter stares helplessly uh, at the freighter as it pulls away, now several hundred meters away. From inside the container, Omega radios again, Hunter, where are you? Standing on the outcropping of uh, the castle roof, Hunter apologizes, saying that he and Wrecker got a little sidetracked. He tells them that they need to get off the ship before it jumps to hyperspace. Tech posits that if they can get to the ship's main hold, they could commandeer an escape pod. Hunter tells them to do it, and that he and Wrecker will pick them up with the Havoc Marauder. Wrecker tells him it's going to take a while, as he's just noticed that troops on the ground have found them and are now advancing. Looking down, we see 18 troopers uh, stacked up in three arrowhead formations shooting at them. Blaster bolts land just in front of them, and Hunter orders Wrecker to move inside the castle. Meanwhile, Captain Wilco and his squad move hastily towards the castle, and he orders the entire area to be locked down. As he and his troops enter the building, he says, we'll flush them out. Inside the container, Tech, Echo, and Omega make their way towards the freighter. Tech uses a scanner at the door or at a door and Omega asks him if he's sure that this door will actually lead to the ship. Well, with a a chipper tech ism, he replies, if I am incorrect, we will be sucked out and instantly perish. (laughs) (laughs) Opening the door. He adds, I am seldom wrong. And as it turns out, this door does in fact lead to the ship proper, not impressed. Echo tells tech to go and congratulate himself after they escape. And uh, using a crate of loot as a step, they move inside the freighter, taking the crate with them. Doug's uh, got a comment here, as he says, your combined experience in the armed forces is showing in this episode. Yes, I can't help it. (laughs) I can't help it. I have to use those terms. (laughs) All right. So um, taking, oh, yes, taking the crate with them. I assume that's the crate, the the uh the, the crate that she had with all the the sparklies. Yeah. Yeah, that she's got a backpack full of that they don't know about. Yep. Inside Castle Sereno, Hunter and Wrecker make their way into Dooku's Great Hall. The green stained glass window containing the sigil of House Sereno is broken, and natural sunlight pours in above the throne. But it's clearly not enough for Wrecker, who declares, This place gives me the creeps. At the other end of the chamber, a triangular door slides down into the floor and troopers pour into the room. Hunter and Wrecker make a fighting withdrawal, stunning one of the troopers before they leap over a large control panel in front of the throne. As they land on the floor behind the console, neither neither clone notices that the floor has dropped a couple of inches, suggesting that they're standing on a lift, and the brothers continue exchanging fire with the troopers. Back on the freighter, the crew spots some troopers on an overhead catwalk, uh, and they uh, press up against a nearby wall to avoid being seen. Once the troopers pass, they pick up the loot crate and they loot crate and continue making their way towards the escape pods. Rounding a nearby corner, Tech thumbs the controls on a wall panel and the adjoining door slides open. As they step through into the next compartment, a group of troopers that just happen to be entering the same compartment see them. The lead trooper shouts freeze and uh, Echo drags the crate back through the door that they just came through while Echo and Omega fire at the troopers. Tech dashes to the other side of the hallway and he takes up a kneeling position. Then he and Omega start to lay down suppressing fire. Tech instructs Echo find an alternate route and uh, using his scompling, he jacks into a nearby port on the ground. Captain Wilco receives a report that there are intruders aboard the transport. So knowing that uh, the escape pods are the only way off, he orders them to be jettisoned. And as Echo is connected directly to the ship, he's instantly aware that their escape plan just got a lot more difficult. (laughs) Unable to continue their advance to the pods, Tech tosses a stun grenade, neutralizing the troopers at the end of the hall, before rushing back to the panel saying there must be another way off this ship. Sarcastically, Echo says, well, other than overtaking the vessel, what do you suggest? But then Omega pipes up, this is a Class 4 freighter, isn't it? Tech confirms that it is, and then asks why. And Omega tells him that the cargo containers on Class 4 freighters are all equipped with re-entry thrusters, and they can use one to get off the ship. Well, that book learning's paying off. I was going to say, all that studying, <laughs> studying all the ships of the Imperial Fleet, young lady.
2: Have you memorized them all? Yes, <laughs> I have.
1: Tech pauses for a moment before praising her, you are correct. I am impressed. I actually expected him to follow that up with like an I don't impress easily. <laughs> he didn't. He then adds that the containers must be ejected before leaving the atmosphere, so they need to move quickly. Picking up the crate again, the three of them head back the way they came, but another hatch opens and it's another run and gun fight. Tech and Echo drop the crate and, using the lid for cover, fire back at the latest round of troopers. With no time to waste, they abandon the crate and Tech tosses a smoke grenade, which is effective enough for them to break contact and get out of that compartment. Alright, um, probably should have talked about it earlier, but uh, I didn't. couldn't find a way to, to shoehorn it in, so now is as good a time as any. Uh, class 4 Freighter, uh, these Class 4 Freighters were first seen in the ninth episode of the second season of Star Wars Rebels. That's the episode of the Forgotten Droid. Hmm. In that episode, Chopper gets uh, stranded on one of these, and it's the episode that we meet uh, the Protocol Droid AP-5. Who <laughs> <laughs> might as well be Marvin from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? <laughs> Animation that, model didn't didn't get too much of an upgrade. Uh, a little but more that uh,
2: configuration there, it seems to suggest that that's instead of two hundred and ten. Unless you calculated yeah. for this, it's hollow.
1: It's what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but we'll see it later on um, when they start dropping off their individual containers. So yeah, it no, could absolutely, could be
3: hollow, or may-
1: maybe it's just like you maybe load it's just it. yeah, several. Whereas c-
3: Dooku's is fully loaded.
1: This one from Rebels. Was oh, lost. maybe, maybe makes sense. that makes sense. Sure, sure. I'd buy that. Modular as needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, back at Castle Sereno, Hunter and Wrecker are squarely pinned down. Wrecker asks if Hunter has any idea how to get out of their current situation. While taking stock of their surroundings, Hunter notices the natural light spilling in through the broken window. More importantly, though, he notices that where the light is hitting the floor, there's a depression, and he realizes that it is indeed a lift. Telling Wrecker to cover him, Hunter works the control panel. Fumbling with the controls, Wrecker asks what's taking so long as more troopers file in from the overhead catwalks. Frustrated, Hunter says, Tech normally does this stuff. But the lift does start to move. That is until a blaster bolt strikes the console, knocking it and the lift out of commission. Hunter exclaims, it's jammed. But Wrecker says, I can fix that. And then standing up, he tosses a smoke grenade and then proceeds to jump up and down on the lift. Ignoring Hunter's pleas to no, wait, Becker <laughs> continues jumping, and with each landing, the lift drops a little more each time until it suddenly drops out from underneath them completely. Then both men are swallowed by the castle, leaving the troopers staring down an empty hole in the floor. I kind of got—I got a good laugh out of that one. Oh yeah, we get some more language in this scene. Um, we get this—this uh, this panel. The man. If there's one thing I struggle with, it's translating the language. And I actually came to the conclusion that it's not because I'm having trouble translating it. It's because the resolution on my monitors are just not good enough. I literally went upstairs to my giant 65 inch 4K TV, took a picture with my phone, and hmm. that was clearer than the screenshot from my monitor. Yeah. So, 4K monitor, anybody? Anybody want? Hey, patrons. <laughs> We need some more patrons because Wes needs a new monitor. <laughs> All right, so um, there is your Orobesh. That is the actual uh, Orobesh there, and the translation says uh, basically talks about the, uh, the 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 levels, as it were, personnel, utilities, communication, security systems, and defenses. On the right, no, that is not a misprint. That does in fact say tubo lift. Hmm. Um, somebody forgot the R. <laughs> But it does say tubo lift, not turbo lift.
3: Yeah, it happens from time to time.
1: Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. All right, that's and, and yay for languages. Yay. Back on the freighter, the crew continue their fighting withdrawal, pausing just long enough to fire back at the advancing troops. Moving into another compartment, tech blasts the door controls, hoping to slow down the advance. Rushing down the corridor, they pass through the original door back into the container omega asks how much time they have and tech hastily tells her very little at the same time echo peers down the corridor that they just came from and we get this amazing nod to uh, a new hope when the troopers blow the sealed door off the bulkhead and we actually get the same audio effect and mostly the same visual effect as when the stormtroopers breached the tantive four in the original star wars Three more troopers now are on the other side of the door, and Echo holds them off with his pistol. Finally, Tech is uh, able to interface uh, with the ship's computer, and he shouts to Echo, initiating the cargo release. Sealing themselves inside the container, we cut to an exterior shot of the freighter as they begin to fall away from the ship like tumbling building blocks. The crew scrambles under a cargo net as the container begins to roll. Echo shouts, when are the re-entry boosters supposed to fire? Omega, just short of panicking, shouts back, I think they should have by now. With the container now in free fall and tech hanging onto the net just outside, he flops around as it spins and rolls, setting, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> as the container hurdles with incredible speed towards Sereno's surface, Omega's eyes go wide and she lets out a terrified scream and we cut to black. Um, before that, before we get to the end and, and wrap it up here, I'm just going to go back for a second. Um, we get a little bit more language here on the, uh, that, the his, uh, little data pad there. Mm. It says release activated. Um, here it is. This is the, uh, the, the, a new hope reference that, uh, I, I very, uh, I quite loved it. it. lines up. So I, I picked up on that quite as soon as I heard, it, I'm like, oh, that's the scene from uh, a new hope. Um yes. I want to play it. I went and I got the audio from both of them so we can compare them. Nice. Um so I'm going to play this for you. This is the door breach uh, in Star Wars A New Hope when the stormtroopers uh, breach the Tantive IV. This is what it sounds like. And that explosion, that's like the same audio effect that they use when the Death Star goes.
2: Mm. It is. the original one yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah now here it is this is the door breach in uh episode one of the bad batch listen to this nice what a nice nod i i this stuff tickles me in ways that sometimes i I don't expect them to and and i quite enjoyed this one Mm. and that is episode one of uh, season two of the Bad Batch, it is Man. the spoils of war. What do you guys think?
2: I mean, excellent. Uh, uh, you know, it hits all the the sort of markers from the first season, it, it yeah. scratches those little issues. Um, I love the uh, episodic, you know, the like the you know, there's an overarching story obviously that we're going to get into, but that just yeah, the way yeah. that we're already uh it's mission of the day it's you know bad guy of the day kind of which i love that sort of episodic stuff is what star wars is built on um a little tiny little a, cliffhanger at the end i made a joke uh last season
1: that you know uh, this is the a-team of star wars and the a-team is oh, yeah. like that's that was that kind of storytelling
3: well, when, yeah, echo the week, when echo says I,
1: you know there's more people out there that
3: need
2: our help <laughs> very a-team-ish <laughs> it's 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 oh, my problem awesome. with the card i want i want star trek to go back it's and it's my favorite thing about strange new worlds which is yeah. that that you know alien of the week kind of yes yeah yeah that mission yeah, of yeah, the week stuff. yeah man um yeah so uh we're gonna
1: be back tomorrow night we're gonna cover episode two tomorrow night we ran we ran fairly long for a uh, 20 minute episode apologies for, that. apologies for that i don't know why i'm apolog i don't need to be apologetic you all know this is what we do, <laughs> what no, do like Glenn said on the, unboxing. the old minute. fellas
2: like the long yeah, form. old
1: people man. like long form <laughs> yeah,
2: man. we have that attention span that you know
1: um so yeah i feel like this was a solid start you know back at uh, season one actually before that let's go back to season seven of the Clone Mm. Wars, the, the, the Bad Batch arc, you know, how opposed, not opposed, how nonplussed I was that this was, (laughs) you were saying, yeah, I've I've come around uh, quite a bit. And I would say that I am way more receptive to season two as we, as we kick off season two, than I was for season one, but mind you, I've had an entire season to warm up to these characters. And now I am invested. The black
3: series is finally releasing your other team.
1: With, uh, uh yeah scorch. so i've got i've got uh was a whoo- i've got three out of four scorch hey, is man. coming out here uh soon um he's up for pre-order now if you if you live in well he was up for pre-order if you live in we Canada. could use some
2: delta squad too if you're listening there uh hasbro
1: so which one which one is it is it delta or omega because there's three there's three squads right
2: oh, there there are three yeah yeah yeah, yeah, right. yeah.
1: there's like that's delta right. uh Ome- omega and what omic Ome- there's a third one in the novels. The
2: yeah, the novels are excellent, by the way. If you guys yeah. haven't checked yeah, them yeah. out, there's some really strong. Well, um, let's face I it. I mean, it. the Bad Batch is what what Republic Commando was. One hundred percent, just percent. In fact, I sent that article along this morning. That was yeah. just like we, yeah, we yeah. already knew this. Yeah, not yeah, new yeah. information, guys. Go, uh, feel free to go check out those Rogue, uh, <laughs> yeah. or sorry, the uh, Republic Commando novels, the game, yeah. all that lore especially especially the novel uh that that it shows their reaction to order 66. it's yeah 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 real good stuff
1: all right is there anything you guys uh want to close on before we uh wrap it up for tonight um join good. us tomorrow yeah be back, we'll be back. Yeah, yeah. Andy, you're gonna be in the hot seat tomorrow night you're gonna be uh taking us through episode two um always like it when i get to be a a, a spectator on these <laughs> ones because i get to i get to talk a little bit more about stuff that i I don't have to worry about, about driving the episode for it. I can just be a a participant. All right. How about you, Hank? Anything you want to end on?
2: No, I mean, I'm super stoked already. Um, I mean, we haven't reviewed it yet, but the second episode is just as good as the first episode. And uh, I got high hopes. Um, I'm I'm, I got to admit, I'm nervous about what's going to happen at the end of the season Uh, uh, in terms of our crossover with the Mandalorian and in terms of the workload, it's very, it's already imposing, Um, but I'm sure you guys know that if you're patient with us, we're going to knock it out of the park for sure.
1: Do you want to, do you want to make any predictions on, uh, on appearances for season two? Do we want to lay out Like who's going to show up?
2: I'm I'm going to like, if, if there's any truth to that animation model, I'm going to throw it some Snoke, whether it's Snoke directly or some, some Praetorian guards wearing Mando helmets, that kind of action. I mean, like the obvious Uh, ones, like don't
1: count. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wouldn't count Rex. I wouldn't count Palpatine. I think that those are obvious
2: ones. Cody's in the trailer. Yeah
1: yeah yeah um i'm gonna, I'm gonna
3: say thron
1: thron i kind of was because thinking that one as well if
3: there's a way to introduce him
1: before ahsoka before ahsoka a great oh, that's that is true that is true yeah. um man uh knowing what's going on right now in the galaxy uh you know maybe did we get we got Hera last uh in the yeah. last one so we can't do that yeah. i, I mean, would love to see more of the rebels
2: you yeah know,
1: zeb Oh, About by the way, to, uh, nineteen B.B.Y. Ezra Bridger was born. Yes, yeah. So he's like uh, one one ish right now.
2: <laughs> uh, I wouldn't mind catching up with uh, Kane and Jerris, newly coined, newly coined yeah. Kane and Jerris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, That their paths could certainly cross. To I, although it doesn't work for his character in terms of him softening.
1: Uh, comment here from Sean says, "I'm I'm with Hank. They're going to start showing more of Snoke." Um. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think we okay. we should be thinking in that direction, thinking forward instead of back. Lots
2: of uh I mean, you know, a lot of the uh the speculators or whatever the uh, the influencers are talking about how they're trying to um justify the the sequel trilogy and so they're they're steering, you know, uh cooler paths to those stories that we got. And I mean, we have confirmation that Damon Lindelof's um and I, I Forgive me, I can't remember the the lady attached to direct, um, but she did miss Marvel. I'll have to mm, look it up. I yep, really yep. apologize, um, but we we know that that's set uh, sequel era and and is rumored to feature sequel era characters uh, that we we already know and love or maybe don't love. But <laughs> so um, it's nice to see them weaving the old stuff into the new stuff. And
1: um, uh, I've got legit, the name here for
2: you. Strong Thank you.
1: I've got a name here. I, I don't want to butcher this, but Charmin Obed Chinoy.
2: Yes. That's Does that the sound one. right? That's okay. the one. Yeah. So that's
1: your, that's yeah. your uh, director. Uh, yeah.
2: Reportedly going to be shooting in April. So we're going back to the big screen fellas.
1: Nice. That's interesting. That's yeah, very exciting. Here's
2: yeah. another
3: prediction for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Hondo. If, if that's the most trustworthy you know, right? pirate you know, like, introduced in this episode, we need some right. untrustworthy pirates.
2: Uh, seriously, with the pirate, the pirate my, connection. Yeah, my brain went exactly there as soon as she said the word pirate. I went, you can't say that word anymore without, hey, <laughs> without Hondo. Um,
1: mm. We got, we got Babu Frick turning up in this season of the Mandalorian. So we got again. Start. We got to start thinking forward. I guess. Mm-hmm. Now that's true though. But Hondo is forward thinking because Hondo survives all the way to Batu, where yeah. he is a fixture at Galaxy's Edge. So, yeah,
2: it's true. Yeah, it's uh, a good
1: one. I don't know. I don't know who else to, to think. I mean, Boba Frick's a good one. Uh, Zori is probably uh, too well, oh, super young. young, too young. But I mean, you could po. get
2: Poe da- po Dameron's parents, uh, His parents. Heavily yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So that's right,
3: yeah, yeah. You always see uh, Fennec Shan and uh, So,
1: both of those characters I would
2: love to turn up because yeah,
3: sure. the contract on Omega is not gone, so uh, bounty hunters are still coming. No, nope. so a number of them
2: around a in the mercenaries and the in the in the underworld still. There's always the potential for huts, pikes, you know. Money hunters are always I mean, well. Again, so there we fallen. go.
1: We've got uh, with yeah, the, yeah. the crime. Uh, the yes, the, the shadow oh collective. God, the shadow collective having been formed, they could take. We could see more of yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. If only the, we are in the
2: Coloni verse, and those are all those elements from that you right exactly. All right, guys, I think that's it. I think we'll call it here.
1: Um, it's been a great uh, a great night. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for sticking with us. For those of you who are watching live, uh, if you're catching this in the replay, hit us up with your questions and your comments go check out our Patreon uh, where you can find out how you can become a supporter of the show and get your name in the credits along with some of the other uh, perks that are there. Um, We put up a link to uh, uh, it's actually, it's Andy's uh, merch shop for his uh, other business. However, uh, we do have a design or, or two in there right now. We're still kicking around the idea of how to, How to make this a more viable,
3: more accessible,
1: yeah, to to especially for our Canadian viewers because shipping is Mm -hmm. awful, um, which is really out of our hands, but we're working Mm -hmm. on it. So, um, Mm -hmm. go check that out. Also, yes, go check that out. Give what productions some love because there's some great designs there, not just our show design, but also all the other awesome designs that are there. Um, and keep your eyes out for a new merch shop, Strictly uh, Fandom Power, to be coming very soon. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, until tomorrow night for fandom power my name is wes i'm andy and i'm hank and we will see you
2: tomorrow night bye for now guys Woo-hoo. hey guys thanks for listening to fandom power be sure to like us on facebook and follow us on instagram and twitter stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms fandom power is a sawcast production